the government living within its means. That is what this budget is about. On budget night, the Treasurer announced the government's vision for the economy. His speech contained vague phrases and euphemisms tailored to pander to a broader audience. We heard about the kitchen table budget and fears that if we make the wrong calls, other countries will cut our lunch. The government's commitment to living within its means, for everyone to pay their fair share and taking action to harden up security at our airports. However, Scott Morrison also used plenty of examples of what we like to refer to as zombie-tastic corporate speak, words and phrases that confuse, exclude, or simply just get people to tune out of the conversation about what the government wants to do to our country. So let's pick this speech apart and get behind some of those pesky budget buzzwords. The budget is forecast to return to a modest balance of $2.2 billion in 2019-20 and to projected surpluses of $11 billion in 2020-21 and $16.6 billion in 2021-22. So what is this magical surplus the government is so fixated on? A surplus represents the difference between the cash coming into the government and the cash going out in a given year. If it is positive, so more cash coming in than out, then we call it a surplus. And if it's negative, so more spent than collected, then we have a deficit. Why is it so important? Well, economists generally agree that over the medium term, we want to have a balance between surplus years and deficit years. The reason is that in deficit years, the shortfall is typically funded by debt. And just like your household budget, if we don't have some surplus years, then we'll run up a stack of unmanageable debt that we never pay off and suffer under the weight and pressure of increased interest payments. However, Australia hasn't recorded a surplus since 2007 and 8, before the GFC hit. This year, Scott Morrison was proud to announce that they think we can finally start a string of surplus years from 2019-2020, a year earlier than expected. But watch this space, because while surpluses are good for us, they mean being responsible and can only be generated by resisting the temptation to spend on things we want or give tax cuts. And we have an election coming. Over the medium term, the surplus is projected to rise to over 1% of GDP without breaching our tax speed limit, consistent with our fiscal strategy. We're also keeping taxes under our speed limit of 23.9% of GDP as set out in our fiscal strategy. So this speed limit is this ratio between the company's total tax and its GDP, and it's an unofficial or self-imposed cap the coalition is committed to. The magic number that Scott Morrison is referring to is 23.9%, and this dates from the Howard years, and it was the average ratio of the tax to GDP that existed when the budget was handed over to Rudd. Now, let's be clear. The actual number is arbitrary, but the basic logic for having a speed limit is that it restrains the government from getting too excited and collecting too much tax and potentially strangling the economy, although no one's really tested that lately. At the press conference in the lockup, Scott Morrison was very proud to show off a very pretty graph showing how, by implementing the planned tax cuts, we would continue to track just below this mystical threshold. In fact, it seemed to just scrape underneath his dotted line. However, if the planned tax measures are not passed or economic conditions improve faster than expected, then we will likely cross over sometime soon. Most working Australians earning above 41000 are likely to never face a higher marginal tax rate through their entire working life. Bracket creep will be no more for them. 
bracket creep or creepy brackets. We know that brackets are the values of taxable income that get taxed at different rates. For example, the lowest bracket is currently $18,200 and 0%, which means that for everybody, the first $18,200 they earn, they pay no tax. Bracket creep is what happens over time as inflation and wage growth lifts people's taxable income and pushes them over into higher tax brackets, meaning they pay more tax and the government collects more revenue. Now, just to be clear, if you creep into a new bracket, you only pay the higher tax rate on the incremental amount that you earn above the threshold. And this is something that was lost on Joe Hockey in 2015. But it's still generally accepted that the government should move the thresholds over time to match the general rise in salaries. For example, 50 years ago, in 1968, the top tax bracket was $32,000 and over. And today, it's $180,000. Speaking of tax... There's been a lot of recent discussion about company tax, so it seems surprising it didn't get a mention in the speech, right? I mean, the government has already introduced measures which enable small businesses to be able to get a lower tax rate, and they're keen to push through the rest of their plan so that larger businesses can get a lower tax rate too. Well, it was actually in the speech. It was just under a different name. Enterprise Tax Plan. Full implementation of our Enterprise Tax Plan is needed for our businesses to remain internationally competitive, to invest, to create more jobs, boost wages and increase trade for smaller businesses through the supply chain. In this budget, we are making sure small businesses don't get ripped off by other businesses who deliberately go bust to avoid paying their bills with tough new anti-phoenixing measures. OK, full disclosure... I had never heard of phoenixing before last week. And in hurried whispers, several of my lockup buddies confessed that neither had they. So what is it? According to ASIC, company phoenix activity involves registering a new company to take over or rebirth the failed or insolvent business of a predecessor company. It isn't illegal per se, as there's legitimate cases when there is genuine company failure and a director hands over the insolvent company to an external administrator who liquidates the company's assets to pay out the creditors, and then the director starts a new company which operates a similar business. Now, this is all okay under corporation law, and it emerges from one of the fundamental properties of companies, which is that there is a separation of the company's liabilities from those of the owners or managers, like so it's not their house on the line. However, what is illegal and fraudulent is when directors use phoenixing to deliberately try to avoid paying the company's creditors. In such cases, the directors transfer the company's assets to another company for no or little value before handing the shelled-out original company over to the external administrator. In this way, the directors avoid paying the failed company's creditors, and by that I mean their employees. In this year's budget, the government has pledged to tackle this sort of bad behaviour by extending the director penalty regime and making directors personally liable for company debts. The reason the government is so keen to do this? Well, it's not only the employees who miss out when the company goes under. The tax office is a big loser too. In 2012, PwC reported estimated Phoenix activity actually cost the economy up to $3.2 billion a year, with $600 million loss of tax to the government. The total revenue impact on the budget and forward estimates is $13.4 billion over the forward estimates. $30 billion over the forward estimates. Forward estimates are budget projections for revenue, expenses and financial position for the three years beyond the current or budgeted fiscal year. So they give us a forecast four years into the future. 
They are useful for giving context to current decisions and they also provide some discipline by showing the effects of current decisions for the next four years and that's generally longer than the terms of our current politicians. But although they reach into the future, sometimes they don't reach far enough. For example, in this year's budget, Scott Morrison has been caught out trying to hide the full cost impact of his grand tax cut package. On budget night, he said that the tax cuts would have a total revenue impact on the budget and forward estimates of $13.4 billion. But when pressed on what the full cost would be over 10 years, not four, he had to admit it would be closer to $140 billion. Words have power and can also be cleverly used to obscure meaning. This is why it's important to translate the zombie-tastic corporate speak into plain English. If you enjoyed our recent coverage of the budget, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on your app of choice. And stay tuned as the budget evolves, because what is said on budget night tends to look very different when it gets to the Senate. National Energy Guarantee. Gross debt. Stapled structures. Tax relief. Bracket creep. And to projected surpluses. The surpluses tax speed limit. What have you achieved? What are you going to do now? What does it matter for me? These are the questions Australians are answering, asking and want answered tonight, Mr Speaker.